See, I'm taking life calls. Hello? Hey, Tony, it's Vic Henley. I was told to call you. Vic, how are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm fantastic. Uh, um, so uh, let me tell you what's <laughs> Earlier, we thought that it was you and it was a spam call. And we almost uh, we almost bought a, a bunch of magazines and a free vacation before we hung there up on go. it. So uh, I, had the I had the Chinese spam call this morning at six thirty. The, the Chinese spam call. It's a spam call, and then if you when it they and they leave voicemails when they most of the time spam calls just hang up, but they leave voicemails and it's a Chinese lady trying to sell me something. I don't know if she's talking Chinese. <laughs> Do you know what she was trying to sell you? Was it a? I, I have no no. It's been going on for about. I live in New York. And uh, I've, the numbers are 212, which is the old New York area code. And for about two months now, I've been getting these weird, they're spam calls, but they leave a message and some lady's babbling in Chinese. I have no idea what she said. <laughs> hey, before we move forward, man, just let me tell everybody uh, who you're listening to. Uh, you're listening to Vic Henley, and he's at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy uh, tonight for two shows, Saturday for two shows, Sunday for one show. Am I correct in that? No show Sunday. No, they wanted me to leave town as soon as possible. They're gonna get you back. You gotta get back to New York. We were just in New York. Uh, we worked at a Gotham Comedy Club, and uh, uh, it's a great city. And obviously, from your accent, and possibly obviously from my accent, we are not originally from New York City. <laughs> I'm from Alabama, but I've lived there for thirty years. You have now lived in New York City for thirty years. Yeah. So this is my accent after it's been tampered down by thirty years of New York. Yeah. Now, I remember in the, uh, uh, just to give you some context, uh, for 15 years I toured as a stand up and I started out uh, some of the first people I worked for. Even though I lived in Los Angeles, I was given some phone numbers that said, call these people, they'll hire you. And the people were in this order Chris DePetta, Sandy DePerna, and Brad Greenberg. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like the Petta. I got no problem with the Petta. The Petta was one of the first people that gave me work. But Brad Greenberg, I was telling a story not too long ago about him where I'm so happy he stole fifteen hundred dollars from me. He was one of the worst criminals down south of all time. He's just a horrible <laughs> human being. Just a horrible, horrible human being. I hope he never had children. I hope he got killed in a car wreck. Um he um he beat me out of $1,500, and, and, and he told my agent and everybody, and he was a big workout guy. So his, his answer to anyone that he stole money from would, would just come over here and beat me up and take it back because he was a big, big fella, and that would be a hard chore to take. But a couple of years went by after he stole money from me, and I was at one of these college conventions where you it's set up like a trade show where everybody has their own booth, and the students see the comics perform, and they Africa. hire the comics and the bands. No. Yeah. So, uh, National, National Association of Campus Activities. So, yeah. I look over after two years, and here is dumbass Brad Greenberg's got a booth set up. He's going to try to be an agent and send comics to the colleges where he could steal even more money from them. And, <laughs> um, and so, I see him sitting there, and I station myself. It was my birthday, so the NACA people were giving me a little leeway. They were letting me talk on the PA and make announcements. And so, I stationed myself. Just far enough where if he was going to chase me, I could run and get away. Uh, and I just started screaming at the top of my lungs, this man's a crook. Don't work with him. He's a crook. <laughs> oh my and, uh, God. So they sent, they sent security over to me uh, to say, hey, look, you need to calm down. I'm like, I don't need to calm down. You need to, If y'all want to uh, have an idiot like this criminal representing your organization, you need to make him shut his booth down and get out of this convention because he's a crook, and I don't think y'all want to deal with crooks. And they're like, go right ahead, Vic. And <laughs> so they turned me loose on him. So he eventually, it was his wife and himself, 
Uh, he was married at the time, and uh, and he had a, he had a young guy that he was going to be the face of the college and, and help him work the uh, work the college angle. So him and his wife ran off and left the kid in the booth by himself. Oh and the guy God. was probably, if I was twenty seven or twenty eight, he was probably twenty three or twenty four. So he comes over to me like kid to kid, and he's going, "Why are you doing this?" I'm like, "Cause the man you work for is evil, and you need to get out. If you're going to work in show business, you work for honest people who show transparency, and they send you the contracts, and you see who's getting paid, you see." who's not getting paid you find out the commission everything's fair you need to get away from him he goes well i ain't leaving i go i ain't either and i'm gonna do everything i can to bark your ass out of this convention (laughs) so so when they opened up the convention hall again later that day i did the same thing again greenberg by now has disappeared he's gone and left the kid there all on his own and at all the after parties that night the guy keeps walking up to me going please stop doing this i'm trying to start my future i'm like you have no future if you're working with satan you have no future at all (laughs) so uh so then i was very proud i stuck with it and then the next time they opened up the convention hall they were gone so it took me about a day and a half to yell them out of the conference and you you rode brad greenberg out on a rail well, I think a- I got my fifteen hundred back. I think I got at least fifteen hundred dollars worth of enjoyment out of doing that. <laughs> you know, the closest weird story I have to that was I got a contract, and you used to get these contracts from Creative Entertainment, and they go, "Now you're gonna get five hundred dollars on Wednesday. You got to work Wednesday, get to work Mecklenburg. Thursday, work in Dothan, and Friday, Saturday, you're in Winston Salem, and, and you'll get all your money Wednesday and Thursday. It's in advance. Don't talk to the clubs about the money. They'll just give you the money." And then you'll have all your money by Friday and Saturday. And what it turned out was going on was they were charging the one-nighters whatever amount they were, and they were paying you. Like if you were contracted for a thousand bucks, you got five hundred on Wednesday, five hundred on Thursday. Then you worked the weekend and you didn't get paid, and that they controlled the weekend. So Absolutely. they were getting you for. But one time I drove from Los Angeles where I was living at the time. I had a contract to work for them, and I was driving. This is in the 80s, and uh, I was married at the time. And uh, uh, I'm married now, but I'm married to uh, who I was married to then. And we we kind of dilly-dallied. So then we drove nonstop from Los Angeles to, I want to say, Panama City. Uh, <laughs> the Redneck Riviera. Yeah, yeah. And slept in rest stops a couple times, took turns sleeping. We're young, going, come on, you can do it. And we get all the way there in the middle of the day, the night of the show, and I check in. And I go, I'm, and you know, and as you know, in those days, you could walk into any Holiday Inn in the entire South and go, I'm the comic, and they would just give you a room, even if they had no comedy show. So, oh, um, absolutely. <laughs> I crash out, I get a phone call, and the phone call is from their office, from Greenberg's office, going, You're not supposed to be there. I go, Yes, I am. I, you guys called and told me I had to be here. They go, no, you're not scheduled there. And I go, well, you guys told me. to go, well, uh, so you're not doing a show tonight. I go, okay, well, then I'll do a show tomorrow night. He go, well, you got to leave the room. I go, I'm not leaving this room. <laughs> I said, I'm not leaving this room. I go, we've driven nonstop from Los Angeles. We have no money. We were counting on one of your advances. You know, and I go, well, I go, and I got in a big argument. And they go, and then they told me, they said, well, we got a lot of comics now who are just showing up sometime. At place they know there's a show and getting a free room. I go, you fucking think I did that? <laughs> you think I drove with no sleep for two days across America, the state of Holiday Inn in Panama City, Florida, for free? 
I go, you, you out of your mind? <laughs> I said, not only that, I go, you owe me for the night. I said, you owe me for the night, and I'm not leaving this room, and that's it. And you know, and I'm, and, and uh, my wife at the time was just delirious. Going, Let's go. Why don't you so get a close. job at a grocery store? <laughs> I don't like comedy. Yeah. So later on, they call me up and go, well, now here's the deal. Um, uh, we worked it out. I go, okay, good. They go, you can keep the room. I go, good. We got to do a guest set tonight. And I was too tired to argue. But the next day, I argued with them and argued. I argued with them for a week till they paid me like, and Brad's going, well, you know, um, you, uh, you might be lying. I go, why the hell would I lie about right. this? I go, your, your office, and I bet you it's the same young kid, and I bet you I know the guy's name, and he's actually grown up to be a good dude and runs a good business, if it's who I think it is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, <laughs> I said, why would I go, I go, your kid screwed up. You put a kid in charge of this. So um, there's many stories like that, but those are my first three uh, phone numbers. Depetta, who I worked with when they had the... Remember when they had the punchline chain? They had like six, seven clubs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Greenville, Columbia, yeah. you know, Charlotte. Yeah. All yeah. around Jacksonville, Florida. Sure. I mean, you know, I made lifelong friends. I ran at Ron Robertson recently, who was out of Los Angeles. Oh, he's a great dude. Is he he's a great, a great dude? dude? Yeah. He, yeah. Was, he, was, he was the headliner I worked with in, I think, Greenville. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, and I met Jeff. Oh. A lot of great guys that were down. Jeff Justice I met down there. Uh, Lovely fella, great guy. Yeah, yeah, just so many people, and I used to always hear your name. Well, you know, you know yeah. the Greenberg thing. My, my last one on Greenberg, I'll tell you, is after he initially stole the money from me, before I, because I said it took two years before I got him back at the NACA, but about a month or two after he stole the money from me, I just happened to be talking to my brother, and both my brothers are mean, crazy hillbilly, a big ex football. All American. My older brother was an all American football player at Auburn. My other brother was running back at Auburn. So they're they'll just oh my they're God. very. Uh, their, their solution to anything is just to beat your ass. <laughs> they don't even, you know, no hesitation. So I was talking to Mike, my middle brother, and he was saying, you know, I've been doing comedy for a few years at this point, and he made some random comment like, well, you're a few years in now. You probably don't have to deal with those scumbags like you used to when you started. And I'm like, you know, it's weird that you bring that up because, no, it's been really good for about a year or so. But a couple of months ago, I had this guy that you know, I couldn't get the paperwork back, and he beat me out of $1,500. And he goes, really? And I go, yeah. And I go, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, he's just a crook, and he's got all the paperwork, and I'm just stuck. But it's funny that he brought that up because apparently I'm not out of the woods yet with dealing with idiots. And so another month or so goes by. I'm talking to my brother again. I forgot I even even told him the story. I didn't even remember. It was just an offhand comment. And he goes, I was thinking about what you told me. <laughs> and, I, and I said, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, about that guy. And I'm like, what guy? What are you talking about? And he goes, the one that stole the money from you. And I'm like, yeah, what about it? And he goes, you still got all those frequent flyer miles. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's what I said. I go, yeah. And he goes, well, I was thinking about it. And, you know, this is before cell phones and computers and everything. He goes, if you just get me a ticket, I'll just, he's in Charlotte, right? I'll just fly up to Charlotte and get me a rental car. And I know where his office is. I'll just go over there. And then when he gets, when he comes out of his office to go to his car to go home, I'll just whip his ass in the driveway right there and then get my <laughs> rental car and go back to the airport. I'll just leave him there in a bloody pup. And he, I'm like, my, you can't. I, I'm, I immediately start going, I love you so much. I love you so much. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you're my brother and want to protect me, but we can't, that's a felony. Yeah. <laughs> you're crossing. You're crossing state lines to whip somebody's ass. He goes, I ain't going to say your name or anything. <laughs> he won't know. <laughs> he, if he's as big a piece of shit as you say he is, 
uh, there's lots of people that want to whip his ass. So yeah. just let me whip his ass, and I won't say your name, and I'm just going to lean over when he's laying there picking up his teeth and then laying in a bloody cloth, and I'm just going to say, this is what you get for not being nice to people. And I'm going to kick him in the face one more time, and I'm going to get in my car and drive away. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, no. But he was, that's, it took me a couple of weeks to talk him down from it. He was he was almost getting mad he with me to, for not to, letting him do it. Yeah, it's just like an insult. He's like, well, you know, this is what I can do for you. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> this is how you handle this. This is how I handle a bully. Oh man! <laughs> so now, oh, so anyway. you, so you've been living in Los. And I, I had heard over the over the years, you know, that that you had moved to New York, but you've been there for thirty years. I've, I was in, I was in, New, I've been in New York for almost thirty-three years. Thirty-three. And, years. Uh, I was in, I, I was in LA from ninety-two to ninety-six. Foxworthy and I. Uh, we're working on a TV show. It's TV. Anyway, I was in L.A. for about five years. That's but I left right. New York. Yeah. Went, okay. I went to. I was there from '92 to '96, and then uh, then I went back to New York. So out of the whole time, there was the five-year respite in uh, Beverly Hills, and then in Thousand Oaks. So now you, uh, when you worked on the uh, Foxworthy show, that was the uh, the blue collar show. Or was it the no, uh, no, sitcom? He had a sitcom. He had a sitcom deal. He sold a sitcom to yeah. CBS that, ne- that never got on the air. It just went through the pilot stage, and it was called Banner Times. And I was working on that a little bit, and then that spun over. When that didn't go, they still believed in him and gave him another deal for what eventually became the Jeff Foxworthy Show, which yeah. was a, a horrible sitcom with his name on it that they wouldn't let him have too much creative control with. So but we were out there screwing around with the TV industry for a few years and they kept giving us money and we kept taking it. And we kept giving them ideas and they kept rejecting it. <laughs> you know, that show, the Jeff Foxworthy show. I remember that because uh, uh, one of my close friends, as a matter of fact, the guy who gave me those num uh, gave me those first two numbers, Chris and right. Sandy DePerna was Rich Scheidner. So, uh, I love Scheidner. Yeah, yeah. Sure. and, and when I got a hold of Greenberg's number, it was because I think someone like, um, Oh God, who am I thinking? I just talked to him the other day. Uh, uh, but another really funny guy from the South, uh, used to have, uh, ah, his name will come to you in a minute, was the one that gave me, um, uh, uh, he gave me, uh, uh, Tom Sobel's number and Brad Greenberg's number. When I told okay. Rich, he goes, he goes, who gave you those numbers? I go, well, it's some guy. He goes, you, you, you're going to work for them. I go, well, they, they're paying a lot of money and, and, uh, and I'm not actually funny. So, um, so, uh, cause it was so new. <laughs> But um, he was working on those shows, uh, on one of those shows. He also worked on Blue Collar. But when the Jeff Foxworthy show came out, that was the first time I became aware of something. But I became aware of was that the TV business, that they were hiring some of these very funny people like Jeff, who was and still is uh, uh, when, he, when he decides to go out and do stand-up comedy. Uh, at, you know, he's branched out into so many things. Absolutely hilarious. And they go, we're hiring you. We want you. Now, shut up and do this thing we created that has nothing to do with you. Because that's what they did to him with that show. Are you there? verbatim explaining this to someone last night. Just last night, I was talking to somebody, and they were asking me. And I was like, "All they want to give you all this money because you're so funny. And all they've seen you do is be funny and your creativity. And they want to work with you to the point where they will give you $200,000 to work with them. And then when you start chiming in with ideas that they don't agree with, then it turns into, no, no, Jeff, you don't understand. This is TV. That's what they would yeah. always say. You know, we gave you all this money and you're amazing and we're acknowledging your talent. Uh, but now you need to shut up because <laughs> this is TV. Now you know what I it's th- the most it's the most frustrating thing. You know what I think it is. Big, those people are in the TV business, and that way, if the sh- and people were talking about that the, the Foxworthy show, and they go, "Well, he, he wasn't any good in that." I go, "Well, that wasn't him. 
I said, that wasn't him. I says, it, it had nothing to do with him. Um, I go, what it is is that those people are follow, they have this formula. This is the formula that works. And I, look, I have friends who do that, who do television, yeah. as you do. Sure. So I'm not putting them down. So that way, if the show fails, it's not them because they did the formula. It's the guy. So yeah. if they were to actually sit down with Jeff at the time and go, let's do a show based on you, the real you, your heart, your mind, your soul, your sense of humor, and then it failed. Then the network goes to them, the TV producer guys who are all living in Brentwood and Pacific Palisades and Malibu, and they go, you know, you, you stepped outside the bounds here and cost us a couple million bucks. So right. they, they keep taking these great original people like Jeff and like so many, uh, what they did with Rich Jenny, the same thing. And they oh, yeah, and try to stick them in this formula. If it doesn't work, then they can blame the guy. Well, the guy's a troublemaker. The guy's a problem. That's where they, I remember. He knew uh, he's basically an actor on a show with his name on it, and he's not even allowed in the, the most creative, funny person there is not even allowed in the writer's room. He can't even take the script and punch up an ad lib or throw in a punchline because they would kibosh him and tell him he didn't know what he was doing. And, and he's an easygoing, real mild manner. I've known Jeff for 28 years, and it was probably the only period of my life when we lived out there where I would hear him screaming and yelling at people. I've never before or since heard of him yelling at anybody. And they would hand him some idiotic script, and he'd, want to, he'd take a pen and start making notes on it. And they go, no, 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 no. So they're basically telling the dude for probably eight or nine years, Foxworth, that I'm like, wow, I've never seen Mad Foxworth. It's such an odd thing. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> and not before or since that I, not before or since that I've ever seen Pitbull aggressive Foxworthy, but it was damn funny. <laughs> you know. My only experience with him personally, and it, it bears out what you're saying, is I was working at a place called the Maxim Hotel in Vegas back in the 90s, and he was at Caesars across the street. And I was working at the Maxim with Bob Zaney, and we got invited over to hang out with him uh, uh, in his suite and watch his show. And he was just the nicest guy. And, uh, and it was a weird thing because there was a, uh, the Maxim had hired this um, stripper to do a midnight show. But what they didn't realize, they hired a, a X-rated porno star to do a stripper show. And the Maxim oh wasn't that kind of hotel. And she ended her whole show totally naked in a giant clamshell, covering herself in uh, uh, some sort of goo. Um, <laughs> That's a closer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you just and they were like, I mean, it, it was a white hair room, man. This is back when we pre white hair for all of us. So it was a white hair room, and just people just stunned with their mouths open, like the scene in the producers during springtime sure. for Antler. Right. But somehow she'd made friends with Bob. Bob wasn't sleeping with her, but Bob felt sorry for her, and he said, "Well, I'm going to take her with us." I go, "I don't think we should take the stripper over to see." But anyway, we went over and we played blackjack. With Jeff Foxworthy and J.P. Williams, and Jeff was the nicest guy, and a pr pretty, oh, conser sure, yeah. pretty conservative better too. So I won't say that about J.P. But uh, <laughs> we hung out in the suite, and he was gracious to us and treated us like you know. Sometimes you end up with someone sweet and like, who the fuck are you, man? Were you here, man? Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, yeah. Why, why invite me if you're not going to be nice to me? I've never understood that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, now they, you're just. Now you're just gloating and being a dick. <laughs> they read the no last reason. half of the Elvis book, not the first half. So, uh, <laughs> and, I, and he was just a great guy. And, and all the stories I've heard about him are absolutely true, as, uh, as you uh, always bear out. So listen, man, is this your first time? This is not your first time in Phoenix, is it? 
I started doing comedy here in 1985. This is the city that I live. I lived in Tempe down by Arizona State University. I lived here for one year, but this is the first place I ever went on stage and got work. This is where I lived when I decided to be a comic. I moved out here to get a job with Dean Witter as a stockbroker, and that fell through, and I started open micing and never looked back, and I've never worked since. So I have been, I've been back and forth from here since then. I've come out here to work the various clubs, so yeah. I know the area. Yeah. But uh, it, it's especially nostalgic for me because every time I land at that airport, I go, this is where it all started. Who would have thought that I would start talking garbage and then never have to work a day in my life, and yet this is the city <laughs> that's responsible for that. So you, I, I you, love coming here. You it's know, amazing. it's my first paid gig was here in 1986 and then I live here now, you know, and I like live on the outskirts. I got grandkids out here running around going, why is the pool dirty? And I'm going, uh, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Look, I used to swim in a dirty, a dirty lake. So you swim in there and I'll, I'll sweep it later. What, what's, what's a childhood without an ear infection? That's what I say. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. So I started Fitty Bones was my first club. I think it was March of 1986 so you started out here around that time too that's fair march of 85 I, I i was gone by the time you i left and i was here i got here in january of 85 i left in january of 86 i was only so i'm about a year ahead of you i started in march of 85 did you uh, did you work michael's club did you work finney bones or absolutely I, yeah. I was i was telling now again i was telling someone this story i don't know now this is one of those urban myths that you don't know if it's true and, for, and, and Finney was a great guy. And he helped a lot of local. And he, he still is. He's still around. He still does a lot of stuff. We, I still talk to him on occasion. Yeah. Well, Go. so you now this is this is an awful story, but you can find out if it's true. It's uh, he has the he had the lip surgery. He had a cleft palate or something, right? Yes. And and uh, but he doesn't he doesn't speak with any you know speech impediment or anything. But he, he had the he's had his mouth fixed. I guess I don't know. But he's a, he he's having lunch with David Spade. And um, and they're they're an Italian restaurant, and there's there's pesto on the table. The green pesto sauce is on the table in a jar. And Spade, not trying to be funny, not really realizing what he's saying, uh, picks up the bottle and looks at it, and and looks at Finney and goes, "Pesto. That's what the hair lip magician says." <laughs> <laughs> and and to this day, no one knows if that's true or not. <laughs> no one. Yeah. Then Spade really, and then, then Spade. Now he's just standing there talking to Michael Finney, holding the bottle, feeling like the biggest jackass idiot in the world. <laughs> you know, Finney's being nice, trying to treat treat the young guy to lunch and maybe give you some tips and stuff. And here he is putting his foot in his mouth, not realizing because he was just nervous and said the wrong thing. And for <laughs> for years, for years, amongst all the locals, we tried to find out: Did this really happen? <laughs> did he really say this? Because if he did, it's hilarious. And if he didn't. Whatever. So, if you yeah, ask Michael that, he'd probably just you know he'd go, <laughs> and he, he wouldn't. That's all he'd do is just some low level laugh. He, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, for you, he does a um, he, he for many years did a big charity event, golf outing and charity event. Some of the biggest names in sports and comedy, but huge names in sports would just come out to this big golf charity event. He did it last year. Um, uh, uh, I stopped by. Um, you know, Mark Cordes was there and. Uh, of course, Scheidner was there and Bruce Baum was there. And I mean, I can't tell you all the, the people that show up for it. One year, we helped promote it for him. Uh, I was with a, uh, a another entertainment company in town, and uh, Bill Engvall came out and did it. And it was like the charity event, celebrity theater, Bill Engvall tickets for 10 bucks. You know, it was a great show. So he's still around. So some of the guys. Oh, he's a great court. Yeah. All those guys you named too. I, I left Cordes a message the other day saying, "Come out here and take me to lunch, dumbass." <laughs> you know he travels, so he uh, just did a gig for us in Mesa, 
not too long ago. We have a, a little thing that we book in Mesa, and uh, we've got them booked into something else. And I know Mark. I used to. Um, uh, I owned Joker's Comedy Club in Oklahoma City for a while in the '90s, and we used to always hire. Sure, yeah, I uh, love that place. Yeah, so uh, so man, we bumped up against each other a lot, and I think this is the first time we got a chance to talk, and I'm so glad we did. Oh, I'm sure, absolutely, man. Stay in touch. Keep my number, and remember that I'm not spam. <laughs> <laughs> I actually called the spam number back, and I went, "Oh, Jesus Christ! This guy's been trying to sell me credit card servicing." So uh, you're not you're not selling credit card servicing. It's expensive in New York. So, uh, do you live in the city? Do you live in Manhattan? Or I live on the Upper East Side. I bought my apartment twenty something years ago, and I hope if I'm lucky, someone finds me inside, stinking uh, dead. We were just there. We stayed on. 42nd and 10th in a nice hotel and then i standing outside it the other uh, with my wife and i go you know i used to stay down here and it was horrible yeah I, that was hell's kitchen it was nasty right it yeah, was nasty I to, I used, I, yeah go ahead i used to go over there there was a there was a that was the first bar that i found in new york city i'd been in town about two weeks and i was looking for weed and somebody went oh go over to this bar and just order and, and they would sell you the weed right behind the bar you just order a beer and the guy would go, you know, he'd look at you, and if you went, you know, he was, what kind of beer, large beer, small beer? If you said large <laughs> beer, you laid down 40 bucks, and you got a beer in a bag. <laughs> I used and that to, was that neighborhood. I used to live at the, I used to live at the Carter Hotel on 43rd, uh, which was one time rated the dirtiest hotel in America. When I could afford that, I'd go down and stay at a weekly on 9th that had a bathroom down the hall. So, oh, yeah, one of those. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And now I was down there with my wife uh, just a, you know, a couple weeks ago, and I go, you know, I just realized I used to stay down here when there were naked hookers. And she goes, why were they naked? I go, well, there were so many transvestites, the women would be naked so you know they were actually women. That's true. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, were you working at, were you doing the Gotham TV show, or were you just in No, no, I now? brought a, um, I, I work with a lot of younger comics now, because I'm older, so, um, that, you know, so uh, I took like 10 young comics, you know, Chris is a, is a uh, he's like one of the best comedy club owners in America, and he uh, is, he is the, he's the, uh, the oxymoron is good club owner, but he really is a good, he really is a good one, there's not many. I'm stunned when I talk to him, that he'll, like, I go, look, I'd like to bring like, 10 like green kids uh some aren't kids but they're green comics from arizona and give them this new york experience and do this and i said look my wife and i come to new york anyway to hang out so uh how about this and and he said yes you know yeah, and, sure and because of that we uh um, we had an easier time selling tickets in new york because people still pay for comedy tickets in new york uh and that's why we went there we took those 10 comics and they worked there and they had a fantastic time and that's why we were there so um Listen, next time we're in town, though, well, well uh, I think uh, if I, next time I bring a bunch of green comics to New York, if you're in town, I want them to meet you because just bumping up against you, they're going to get uh, uh, better vibes about comedy than they could from almost anyone else. We appreciate you calling well, in, Vic. No, man, anytime. I'm, and it's, it's great talking to you. I love reminiscing about the old Arizona stuff. Good Lord. Okay, well, we might, I got a, I got a show somewhere else in the city tonight, uh, uh, but then after that, I might uh, try to run up there and say, hey, thank you so much. Well, we'll be all right, Tony. My pleasure, buddy. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. See you. Well, that was cool. I always liked that, you know? It's like uh, um, I heard that name. I didn't realize how that, you know, he was in Arizona and left the year before me. And I came in a year after, but I used to hear his name. And uh, uh, I never worked with him, but all you ever heard was good stuff. You're on the road, and somebody goes, you know, it was here last week. And, oh, my God. Or, you know, it was here last week. And he was one that you never heard you never heard all there's two things you heard you heard that it was funny 
and Gary was a great guy. And oftentimes those two didn't match. That's true. Somebody goes, it's a great guy. Not very funny. Or, what an asshole. Funny. But with Vic, it was, uh, he's a great guy and he's funny. And I think that that interview bears that out. So uh, if you want to see him, and you should want to see him, uh, you want to head on up to um, uh, Rick Brunson's House of Comedy at 5350 East High Street, um, Phoenix, Arizona. Um, uh, just go on up there and uh, check it out. I think Michael Longfellow's on the show. I saw something, or maybe it's next week he's on the show. I don't know. He's going up there. Anyway, doesn't make any difference. You want to go up and see Vic. It's a great time. Rick always puts together some fantastic shows. He also has something going right now. Uh, it's a contest that he does at his other clubs. He's doing it here called Funniest Person with a Day Job. Uh, they got that going on Tuesday nights. So if you're not in my comedy workshop on Tuesday nights, uh, you should go <laughs> check out that show. Uh, go see Vic Henley. Uh, great guy. So, uh, and also, if you'd like to maybe win uh, a couple of tickets, uh, I might if you uh, send me a private message on my uh, my personal Facebook page, Tony Visick, V-I-C-I-C-H, Tony Visick. I might be able to set you up with a pair. All right, you know what? Um, uh, thrilled to be able to speak with Vic. And I was thrilled to be able to do the hour I did before um, he called. So we're going to sign off. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you're downloading later, thank you for downloading. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a pal that um, if they can hang with it, one of the um, most, uh, um, uh, uh, one of the uh, more interesting, unique experience you can have is listening to me talk nonstop about absolutely nothing. My name's Tony Visick. Your name is whatever the hell you want it to be. Uh, once again, thank you for listening to this American Podcast Comedy Edition. Come out and see me tonight at the Tempe Center for the Arts, and then afterwards, then we'll all caravan up to Rick Brunson's House of Comedy. For my producer, who happens to be my wife, Shirley Lovisic, and for my co-host, who's not here, DJ Payne, and for I want to thank you for listening. We're going to go. Bye-bye. Night for the dignity of man.